Hello there and welcome to another episode of the Long Live Rock and Roll Podcast. To my right is Felipe Amelin. How are you doing then? All good, man, and you? Yeah, not bad, thank you. I'm, I'm Hello, loving everyone. It. We're in sunny Soho. We're in Felipe's flat today, um, recording a bunch of episodes. And it's awesome. It's a beautiful sunny day outside. As soon as we're done here, we're going to the casino to watch some Formula One. Um, the sun's shining. It's just wonderful to be here, man. I haven't been to London in a long time. And yeah. Soho is London's capital of music. You've got jazz venues everywhere, blues bars well, all around. It's we, wonderful we're place about to be. five minutes walk from Ronnie Scott. So. And aren't we about. 10 steps from the Blues Post. The Blue Post, yeah. <laughs> Felipe lives <laughs> which, above this bar. Which is an know. iconic uh, pub. Yeah. Uh, and uh, also uh, about four minute walk from the Blues Bar, the famous Ain't Nothing But, yeah. where we recorded an album. We did, right? yes, yeah, that's it. Live at the Blues Bar with Jack Hutchinson. That's yeah. right, yeah, no, so it's a great place to be. And if you can hear any noise, it's just the lovely crowds of Soho enjoying a sunny Saturday. So um, without further ado, let's get started. Uh, this episode is focusing on a particular album and that album is none other than Black Sabbath's second studio album Paranoid 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 what an album oh, love it uh, uh, just uh, you know the drink of the day oh right? of course let's start the so, episode show everyone your coffee um, today's episode is brought to you by Nespresso I was going to hold one of the pods up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't take the machine but yeah. by the way you never get paid any money you know, but we, we keep we keep uh, yeah. promoting the brands. They're going to pay yeah. us one day. Thanks, Nespresso, for um, not paying me to promote it. But there's um, his coffee. The episode started. Let's go. Um, the album Paranoid by Black Sabbath, released in September of 1970 and recorded uh, in the space of two weeks in June 1970 in Regent Sound in London. Just wow. two weeks. Yeah. 16th to the 21st of June. Which, just, by the way, Regent Sound is about... Uh, 10 minutes walk. Is it close to here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Um, the length of the album is 41 minutes and 50 seconds, and the singles from the album were Paranoid and Iron Man slash Electric Funeral. So those are your basics on the album, uh, on the, um, you know, basic info on the album. Do you want to tell us initially your first thoughts about the album? I'll uh, tell you my first feelings on the album. The is this the first time you listened to it? Uh yeah, the, I'm talking saying? about the yeah. first time I've listened to it. I was a oh, I was a, a teenage boy in Brazil, um, at the time. So you you don't know how that feels like because you always had the internet, didn't you? To, yes. to get access yeah. to music. So um, I think you're going to say I don't know what it's like being a teenage boy in Brazil. I was like, no, no. yeah, yeah, surely you don't. <laughs> uh, uh, so um, I was like. Uh, um, you know, exchanging CDs and, and not vinyls. I had vinyls, but vinyls were not a, th- a thing anymore. It's mm. like we're moving into CDs. Yeah. And CDs and tapes, like, uh, 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 you know, swapping them around. So my friends, oh, you know, I got this deep purple thing. So, you know, and I got into classical. You, would, you wouldn't find pictures or videos of those guys. So I didn't know yeah. their, unless their faces on the album because we wouldn't have it. And then this friend of mine said, oh, do you know what? My my dad was a hippie, so he listened to all those you know, seventies uh, prog bands and classic rock stuff. But he he didn't know about Sabbath. I said, "What Sabbath? Black Sabbath?" So really, what's that? Oh, my dad just got into them like now after you know being a kid in the seventies. Yeah. But now he knows about Sabbath, <laughs> and um, and he introduced me to them, and it's it's bloody amazing. So let's listen to it. So this friend of mine uh, uh, bought Paranoid, and I said, "I want to, I want to get a tape, you know, mm. and record 
that to a tape. That's not what I would do. My, yeah. you know, and then you'd have the tape. Yeah, right? my tape yeah. recorder. So I've got, you know, borrow CD recording to a tape. Oh, okay. Long story short, got home, listened to Paranoid. When Iron Man started, was like, no fucking way. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to a record shop now. I'm going to buy the CD. Because those guys deserve my money. And it was really expensive. Yeah. Imported from America, etc. When I bought it, because the riff from Iron Man was so different from anything I've ever heard before. And anything that did come before, not just what you heard. But exactly. In general, and it? yeah, well, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't know the context. Yeah, it was yeah. like when you know the riff is just it's just it's just I can't describe it. That's it. It's yeah. mental. Indescribable. Yeah, it is. Heavy, and it's thumping, just chugging. Slow. Slow. Yeah. Slow. That's a characteristic dark. of Black Sabbath. Yeah. Dark. Yeah, they can do slow, dark riffs as well as anyone, can't I they? I think it was the darkest album I've heard until that point. Then I obviously, if you listen to the first album, it's even darker, mm. I'd say. It's even yeah. like the, 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 the whole theme of like black magic and... and and the devil and all that stuff, mm. I think is more present on the first album than yes, Paranoid. Yes, I agree. But Paranoid is... I feel a, the music is darker on Paranoid, though. Good maybe point. the lyrical good content. Point. Maybe the lyrical content the lyrical of the first content, album. Because yeah. I feel the first album, whilst it is dark, and we've, I know we're going to talk heavy metal later, I'd say there's definitely a more bluesy, jazzy influence in the first album, yes. whereas this, to me, is straight up hard rock slash heavy metal. So right. A, Sabbath were... A blues band, yes, and they the band was called Earth. Mm-hmm. They, they turned into a metal band, but when metal wasn't a thing, yeah. if you think yeah. they're metal, I don't think they're metal, but there you go. They turned into we'll a heavy get to rock, that later, right? They turned into a heavy rock band uh, when not too many people were playing heavy rock. And yeah. being from Birmingham, it kind of justifies the whole thing, isn't it? Mm. Loads of gangs around at the time. Birmingham is a lovely place now, it wasn't at the time, mm. it was you know really dark and and and, and yeah and it was where the factories were the industries you know a lot of working class people not, class. not that there's an issue with working class people yeah, but, but working class poverty people, gangs poverty. you know crime and everything so yeah, it wasn't exactly. a nice place to be but you've got to think the a fundamental thing maybe we should do our our mm. segment now but a lot of times you hear bands like led zeppelin are also credited with um beginning the stages of heavy metal with the right. distorted guitars, Robert Plant screaming, they is it funny that two bands from Birmingham are lumped in with the who started heavy metal debate? Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but there's a there's an essential difference there because like Robert Plant and Ozzy were good friends, were they? Yeah, but Plant was a classic hippie, happy, you know, flower power kind of stuff, mm. and Ozzy was this like disturbed yeah. kid two other you know, committing sides, crimes yeah. and doing it's like uh, because his lifestyle was different his life experiences were different that's that's that, one of the beautiful thing, things about rock and roll it does uh, your background is reflected in your music no matter how hard you try to hide it that's really fun, uh, funny you say that because we'll allude to it when we talk about specific songs and specific lyrics but the overall one of the, one of the do you know, let's do this metal thing now, okay? Yes. Here's a new... Well, it's not a new segment. It's a regular segment with a slightly different title. Here is Felipe Unleashed. Black Sabbath is not a heavy metal band. 
da, da, da. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Right, let me go back to what I was saying. So, then actually, right, heavy metal. Well, let's have a little debate. Tell me why you don't think Black Sabbath are a heavy metal band. Um, I need to describe what heavy metal is for me. Do that, do that then. So, and I'll be very specific about the instrumentation. That's fine. If you listen to a band that no one would claim is nothing but heavy metal, which is um, Iron Maiden, that's what it is. No one would claim they're not heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. Iron Maiden has heavy metal. Uh, Really fast guitar solos. um, Really fast-paced songs. Okay. Heavy all the way. Some dynamics in it, but mostly heavy. You know, vocals shouting most of the time. And it's essentially, for me, aggressive. Mm. Right? Okay. That's metal for me. That's... How many bands are like that? From Maiden to System of a Down to Metallica. Metallica. Sabbath, just think about the tempos of the songs. They pretty much don't have fast songs. They're slow. And it drags. And it's almost sloppy in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And there's loads of spaces between notes. You don't have those ridiculously fast guitar solos. You don't have all those elements you have in normal heavy metal. It's less technical in a certain way and more... uh, And it's quite bluesy, which you don't necessarily hear in heavy metal. Maybe because the way it's played, but obviously there is blues influence in heavy metal. There's in in pretty much any rock and roll... uh, uh, sub-genre you have some sort of blues influence but you can't hear that clearly on heavy metal but you can hear that in Sabbath mm. you can hear the bends on the guitar solos the kind of distortion the kind of guitar tone and you you, and the fact they don't like most metal bands I know have two guitar players interesting yeah. Sabbath is a three three piece in terms of instruments yeah. and I think there's a lot more dynamics so it goes down and up and there's loads of acoustic tracks, loads. Mm. The albums, there's acoustic stuff, there's like just piano and voice, some vocals sometimes. You got um, some elements there that you don't normally find in heavy metal, and I don't think they're heavy. So to just pick the main word, heavy metal. Sabbath, I mean, is not heavy. It's dark. It's scary, mm. not heavy. Yeah, That's okay. my point. I'll give you my thoughts on metal. I do consider myself... Now, the difference is obviously our generational difference yeah. because you're about 15 years older than me, yeah. aren't you? Not that much. Not ten. No, ten, ten. <laughs> right. I, I, do, without, I, I do sort of consider myself not by any means a metal expert, but my, the predominant genre, if we lined up every band and song I'd ever listened to, the ones I listened to most have been heavy metal bands. And whilst I... F- I agree with what you're saying in terms of you cannot deny Iron Maiden or heavy metal band. For me, bands like Black Sabbath, their darkness is what makes it metal. I think. Talking about the lyrical content. No, I mean even the musical content. Um, If you think that the first riff from Hand of Doom, even though now here's things about Hand of Doom, it's syncopated. Now syncopated uh, for those listening is when it's on the offbeat. So you go dun 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 dun. Do, 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 yeah, most it's on the notes offbeat. are on the offbeat. Not now, on the beat, that's yeah. a jazz thing. That's yeah. a blues thing. That's not a straight classic rock heavy metal thing. So, fair play. But the darkness of those riffs, 
the note choices he uses, that to me is what Sabbath did to essentially create heavy metal. So although the riffs are slow, although they are taking some influence or a lot of influence from blues and jazz, because Iommi was a jazz player, I still think the way they presented the songs is what created heavy metal, and I would call Paranoid a heavy metal album, which is interesting. But the one other thing I wanted to add to that was, for me, the next most important thing about heavy metal and how we define it is the lyrical content. And we'll get into this when we talk about the songs more, but... I found it funny. I watched a documentary a few years ago where it was the, the 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 inception of heavy metal, and it was predominantly based around Black Sabbath. But there was fifteen minutes before they moved on to Black Sabbath where they said, first ever heavy metal riff, the Kinks." You really got me. Yeah. Why? Because it's distorted. It doesn't make music. Well, it makes musical sense, but it doesn't follow a scale or a pattern. Da 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 da. Just distorted guitar. First heavy metal song. Helter Skelter by the Beatles. Yeah. Why? Same reason. Distorted guitar. John Lennon shouting. Dark lyrical content. First ever heavy metal lyrics. Paint it black. The Rolling Stones. The sixty-five. It is really. Dark. I see a red door. I, I was. Uh, I see a. Whatever it is. He sees something and he wants to paint it black. And it's about death. And it's really exactly. Metal. So I think lyrical content matters as much for me in defining what heavy metal is. But as something that contradicts my point. Iron Maiden sing about um, um, American pilgrims coming and taking over Native American lands. But there's death that, that is dark. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Yeah, no, but Iron Maiden sing about a variety of historical and science fiction stuff. Yeah. So that's what I'm actually going against my point. I'm saying some modern metal now, the lyrics don't matter. Yeah. It's the music. It's but the I music. think back then with Paranoid and with Sabbath. For me, Paranoid is the first ever heavy metal album. And whilst I'm, I'm, uh, we, we can debate more, and to an extent I can say I agree with you that Black Sabbath are not an exclusive heavy metal band, Paranoid for me is a, is a heavy metal album because they took the darkness, which I think to be heavy metal, they took the slow riffs with the heavy drum beats, which to me indicates heavy metal, and the lyrics, and the distorted guitar and Ozzy's shouting and put it all in that one package, which for me is heavy metal. Right. If you go forward on their career and you listen to It's All Right with Bill Ward on vocals, that is a like a lovely pop ballad about being friends with your neighbours and having a good is it? I don't know the song. We'll so, put it in yeah, the playlist yeah, as usual. But that's not from the album. But So they actually went into different directions. But and all their acoustic take your songs point, as well, yeah, like you said. I'll take your point. Paranoid specifically is dark and it, it has the, the metal, uh, the typical heavy metal lyric influence. So I think we can find a middle ground. Yeah, there. of course. I think That's Sabbath fun. is a, but for me, it, it sounds like hard rock, but really dark and with heavy metal lyrics. Yeah. Put it there. Put Fair it there. Although heavy metal wasn't, wasn't a thing by then, so they didn't know they were doing what would be called heavy metal. So do you agree? No, I'm not going to make you say Paranoid is a heavy metal album, but do you agree that Paranoid is responsible for heavy metal? Totally, 100%. Yeah. I'll okay. tell you why. What's the main point about Paranoid is the album that follows Black Sabbath. You know, the album First Black album, Sabbath. Yeah. So, uh, which, at that point, that was, a, that was quite shocking. They came up with a completely mm. different way of playing rock and roll. Yeah. And how do you follow that? It's like 100% innovation in your first album. How do you do something better than that? 
my response would be uh, the only way to top that is to write better songs. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to change the genre yeah, yeah, because yeah. they came up with a different style and not many bands have done that. Actually, your first album is something that no one has ever heard before. It's completely different. It's, not it's broken, way too dark. It. And it's like, okay, so are you going to just replicate that on the second album? What they did was like, yes, we will. Mm. But we're going to write better songs. In my opinion, the, the main difference between the first and the second album is the first album as an album is great, but Paranoid... Better songs. Every single track in Paranoid is a heavy rock classic. Yeah. Every agreed. single track. I wouldn't put... I, I I would really struggle to name my top three or top four on that album because I love every yeah. single track and I'm not exaggerating on that. Well, let's dig down into the album then. Yes. Uh, we're actually going to start off with a quiz. Got six questions here. As usual, guys, play along, keep track of your score and let us know in the comments. Um, what was the original title of the song War Pigs? Oh, I don't know. There was a different title. Yeah, I don't know. No. So it was called Walpurgis, W-A-L-P-U-R-G-I-S, which oh, is the satanic version of Christmas. But the record label said, no, no that's, that's no. too much. So, right. but, that's way too far. We'll talk about the lyrics of War Pigs when we get to it. Question two. Geezer Butler was literally paranoid about the title track being compared to another song that was released one year earlier. What song was that? Oh, I guess it was Led Zeppelin's Days and Confused. No. Zeppelin, yes, but not Days and Confused. No, no, wait a minute. Paranoid. No, oh, because the riff resembles that one, isn't it? Which one? Communication Breakdown. Really? Yeah. Because I he think there's, so... a riff, there's a part of Days and Confused that actually sounds like Paranoid. There is, but I think it's the fact that it was it's a, a fast song. Fast song, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so he, yeah, he was I literally paranoid that Zeppelin were going to sue. But who is Zeppelin to sue? Yeah, right. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. um, question three. What song title was the album originally intended to be named? Warpix. Yeah, well done. Yeah. That's one out of three. I'm How long did Black Sabbath play each night in the early days of touring Europe? God, I've got no idea. I'm going to guess two hours. How long was each How long was their set each night when they toured Europe? I would, I would guess two hours. Eight and three quarters hours. How come? <laughs> uh, let me find out. Uh, uh, actually, That's insane. It's probably the only reason we'll have to talk about this song. But anyway, we'll talk about the song Rat Salad, which is a drum. Right. It's an instrument with a bit of a drum solo. The band were used to having to play eight and three quarter hour sets. And Bill Ward was asked to play on his own for 45 minutes of that eight God. and three quarter hour set. So he had enough material to write Rat Salad, yes. basically. Well, that probably, that's probably how he developed um, his exactly, uh, yes. vocabulary of drum yeah. phrasing. And so they just took that. He took ideas from that and put it in Rat Salad. Uh, question eight and a three quarters hours, man. Can you? I'm oh, done man. after an hour and a half. Like, I know you, he does I've two hour sets. Three, three times hours, a night. Three, no, I do three hour sets every. You do three hour night, sets five, five days. A week. But sometimes but you do two hour. You yeah, do two two hour sets. Yes, yes. So it's four hours. Four hours. Eight is and like three deep, quarter hours. Yeah. Fucking hell. Um, question five: What was the original title of the song for Iron Man? Oh God, you got me on those, man. I, I think that's going to be my worst score for every it doesn't matter. It's quiz. Fine. Amazing. No, yeah, but that that that, that shows you, you've done your research. I have done it. Yeah. 
Don't know. Iron bloke. Iron bloke. Ozzy Osbourne said the riff. It's a bit too British, isn't it? Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> said the riff sounded like a big iron bloke walking around. And that's how this... Yeah, and they said, bloke. listen, not bloke, let's call him man. <laughs> uh, question six. Why were Black Sabbath taken to court because of the album? I don't know either. Oh, man. It's got one out of six. That's yeah, that's okay, don't worry. Um, a nurse was found dead after having killed herself in her apartment and Paranoid was spinning. So it's oh, the last it's thing she listened to before things, she so killed herself. Blame, yeah, you've got to yeah. blame the artist for um, someone's personal yeah, decision. People do that's that it. Anyway, bro, don't worry. One out of six is so <laughs> not your best score, but um, I'm sure in the future... There's not the easiest yeah, question. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah. really good. Uh, let's, let's get into the songs now. Actually, I just want to talk a little bit about the writing and composing of the songs because... What I think is noticeable about this album is how long some of the songs are and how there's quite extended jam and soloing sections in them. And this is because most of the songs were written from improvisational jams that they had. Listen, if you've got eight and three quarter hours to play every night, you're going to jam a bit, aren't you? So they took this stuff. They took stuff they've been working on, jamming on during those gigs, and brought them to the studio. And I believe there's something we said before in this show, which is... um one element that is missing nowadays uh, in rock bands is to write stuff together. Yeah. Jam and record and try again instead of each one creates their own part separately and then they just go to a studio and record separately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a band sometimes is only a band when they go on stage. But back in the day, those guys would be living together and playing together every yeah. every day at home and jamming and yeah, playing writing together. Yeah, that would become yeah. writing together. So you can see that the album for me. What one one of the interesting things about Paranoid is there's load. You can you can hear that the songs came out of jams, but they are very well developed and they mm. knew exactly where they go. Par, uh, War Pigs is such a complex. complex we've played the song live many yeah. times. It's such a complex. Uh, we, we will shamelessly we will shamelessly link our version of War Pigs in the bottom of this show yes, notes why as well. Not? Yeah, why, why not? not? Sorry, bro, uh, so um, it's it's an intricate like piece of music, and it was recorded pretty much live. You have all the mm. dubs of guitar solos, but you can hear the band playing together live, and it's like starts and stops, change of tempo, yeah, it change really of set, groove. It, it really did set so the precedent. Uh, yeah, sorry, you... no, no, it's just it's just like. Very clever song in terms of arrangements. Very unpredictable. And I, I don't even notice the song's eight minutes long. I'm just, mm. I'm just like, you just keep following it. And, f- and the f- lyrics are brilliant. I feel like it, it set the precedent of how how different and how many different directions a song can go in. Yeah. It doesn't just have to be one thing, does it? No. You know. Uh, but let's not one main riff. Let's start with that song. Let's talk about War Pigs. We've obviously spoken about it. Which was the original title. It intended as the original title of the album, but the label wanted Paranoid to be. And actually, let let me say something about this, about the album cover. You have that guy. Good that, point. That yeah. Awful picture of the guy. Uh, the gun. No, yeah. I think it's a, a sword and a shield. Oh, like, it's it's right, just yeah. like it's an awful, badly taken picture. Oh, the costume is terrible as well. Costumes, it's it's not scary. It's, no. it's weird. But uh, what Giza Butler said about the the cover is like that was war picks. Yeah. So that yeah. guy is a warrior. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. But then they change it to Paranoid. So what the hell is that guy doing the album cover? It doesn't make any sense, but that's rock. That's still good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's excellent. Um, so with Warpigs, I mean, the, the interesting thing for me about Warpigs is there's three main points. Extended solos, which we talked yeah. about. But Black Sabbath were so instrumental, excuse the pun, 
of um, <laughs> of shaping just the fact that in in hard rock what was also to become heavy metal and at that time rock classic rock taking as much time as they needed for the soloist to express him or herself yeah that's special because that, that, there's and two extended funny, solos in there's an interesting thing about Tony Iommi he is regarded as one of the um, masters of rock riff and yeah. he's the guy who came up with you know, all day I just say no one has come up with more uh, uh, iconic, iconic riffs, riffs yeah. than him. Or maybe Jimmy Page a close second. But, you yeah. know, in terms of riffs, he's just unbeatable. And then people forget to look at his solos. Yeah, that's what a good a point. Great just to, yeah, yeah no, you're right, you're right. God, man, it's, um, it's, it's such a, his phrasing is so jazzy and bluesy and heavy at the same time. Yeah. And it's just like, but as I said, they would allow him to solo for as long as he needed to express his ideas and back to the riffs. And I think the songs, they, they, they literally lead you to the next section. Even yeah. though some of them are really complex and long. It just flows, mm, which yeah, is really right. hard to do. The other thing, and actually, this is this is a this is a okay. We'll stick with all pigs. The unusual verses, yeah, two notes, baran, and then the hi hat. Just hi hat and vocals. That that I, I can't do the maths in my head, but it seems to me that like one sixteenth of two bars. Is, is, is the instruments the rest is the drums it's two sixteenths two sixteenths of two bars yeah it's when all the instruments are in together and then so nothing happens just a hi-hat and vocals yeah but it's how interesting. it's interesting but how interesting is that in terms of it, it relates to the most uh, I don't know man the most what's the the, 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 the the one thing you can do musically without any instruments you can clap and you can sing yeah that's it. Yeah. It's primitive, isn't it? It's, 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 it's just the hi-hat, like hand clutch, yeah. and vocals. It's very organic, let's put it like that. It's like anyone can do that. You don't need this. So we can do this. Yeah. And there's gather in the masses and sing on top of it. Does you it work, don't though? need instruments. Does Get it. Think, so think about it. Like that, that part is just very human. One of the best quotes I was ever told about music, and I think I even said it before on this show, is... It's not about the notes you play, it's about the space you leave. That's yeah. the best quote that was ever given to me during when I was learning and training in the bass. And that's why where I think they're very different from most metal bands, because they point. leave more space. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next up we have Paranoid, which obviously um, the title track of the album. For me, it's, it's, it's metal's it's iconic punk. pop song. It's punk. Punk. For me, that Fair, is a really yeah. punk song before punk. But do you, do you see what I'm saying about the pop song? How it's short, a nice two chorus. Two and a half minutes or Yeah, two. something like that. Yeah. Easy to play. Not, do you know what I mean? Not really just talking the, about it's just verse and chorus. There's two parts goes only. back and forth, yeah. And, and then there's solo simple. over the verse. I've heard... It's a pop song structure. Yeah, it is. Isn't and it? I, I've heard they recorded it at the end of the whole session and they had some so, minutes left. Yeah. let's do a segment. How rock and roll is that? The title track Paranoid was written as an afterthought because they didn't have enough tracks to meet the, the standards. It took the band from starting recording it to ending it 25 minutes to finish the song. And yet it is heavy metal, 
and rock music, and in general, music's, one of music's most iconic songs. How rock and roll is that? It's very rock and roll. I'll give I think a lot of bands do a song at the end and it turns out to be their best one. But what was Paranoid? Minutes, in 25 minutes, right, and what Paranoid that means... That was one of the first rock songs I ever learned on drums. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the ones that I've much, Let me tell you this before I respond how rock and roll is that. Um, there was a music festival. Think about this. It's more town... In, you know, in Brazil, in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, there was a, you know, new bands first festival. Yeah. There was 14 bands in an afternoon in a park. Seven of them played Paranoid. <laughs> <laughs> because if you start in a band, yeah. it's kind of a mandatory song. And they needed the song for the same reason Sabbath needed. Yeah. To... Feel the criteria for dinner like, songs. Oh, you yeah. need to play twenty-five minutes. Oh, fuck, we've only got songs. twenty-two minutes. Oh, yeah. let's play Paranoid then, because everyone can do it. Brilliant. So, brilliant. and I remember the last band saying, "Oh, guess what we're going to do now as an encore? Paranoid." And everyone went, "Oh, and then okay. everyone was like, yeah, yeah, I love it." Brilliant. So yeah, Paranoid. How rock and roll is that? So because of that memory, uh, God, I'll give it a. Um, that's really rock and roll. I mean, writing like that, I'll give it a. 73. Perfect, perfect. 73. Yeah, that's a good score for that. Um, after Paranoid comes a very interesting song, Planet Caravan. Now, the one that's thing... That's a on vocals. Is it? I think it is, yeah. yeah. Whoever it is... Let's Google funnily it. Funnily enough, they use I'm, I'm a... I'm pretty sure it's him. They use a Leslie Speaker, which oh, most people might know is used... Uh, a, Leslie, a Leslie Speaker goes really well with a Hammond organ. Hammond organ, yeah. Um, it, I don't know how that relationship happened, but just trust us on that. Hammond organ, you put it through a Leslie speaker and you get that beautiful Hammond sound. They put whoever was singing through that. They put the vocals through the Leslie speaker, which is why you get that really weird psychedelic effect. The other thing I wanted to mention about Planet Caravan was Tony Iommi is showing his huge jazz influence here. He plays a jazz solo basically over this. Um, He was hugely influenced by a... Jazz guitarist, one of my favourite gypsy jazz artists, a guy called Django Reinhardt. Um, I'm going to put a couple of Django songs in the playlist just so you get a little a taste of what uh, Tony Omi was listening to in the 40s and 50s. Well, there's an interesting thing about it. So it's, it's actually really acoustic and you have congas there. Yep. So Bill Ward is playing percussion. I couldn't find reference because I've heard it was him on vocals and I appreciate it, it just sounds different. Uh, the credits still say Aussie on vocals. I okay. don't recognise his voice. Maybe it's the effect. Maybe it's the Leslie speaker. Yeah. 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 Could be that. You know, which but is, yeah. which so is quite unique. So, again, it, that makes the song stand out from the rest of the album, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Because it's... It's, a li- it's, a, it's an interlude. Effect. It's a little interlude, but actually it has a song length. It's Sorry, it's the... It's the uh, it's, it's the length of a proper song, but it acts as an interlude. Yeah, you can't. They wouldn't play that live, or no. maybe they have. But you no, can't sing along to it. You I don't know think I mean? they ever do the acoustic stuff. Like um, so yeah, when you listen to that song, just take note of uh, whoever's singing through the Leslie speaker and Tony Iommi's jazz soloing. Now Iron Man, really really important here. Iron um, bloke. Iron bloke. Right. This, is, Iron this Man. could be one of the most distinctive, iconic, and memorable riffs in. Music. In, let's put guitar music. Yeah, apparently, let's talk about the lyrics. Apparently, the, the, the lyrics are about a guy who travels to the future. Yes. And he sees how fucked up. Uh, no, no, he sees the apocalypse. The apocalypse, yeah, how fucked up things are. And it's like he wants to come back and tell people to not fuck up, but he lost his voice or something. No, they all mocked him. Oh, they they mock, mock him because he, he, had, he, had a, he had a brush with a radiation thing, so he'd become metal. Oh, and he's right. come back. He comes and, as an iron Again, this is bloke. just in my head. He's coming going, everyone, 
you must stop, you know, we're going to kill the planet. And they were going, ah, fuck you, Iron Man. And so he can't spread the message so the world ends oh that's it <laughs> I uh, think so yeah. he lost his voice but no one would listen to oh, him no. he then tries to warn the world but when yeah. ignored he becomes angry and vengeful oh that's so then it maybe he maybe he becomes the apocalypse that's it that's really interesting but sci-fi so, writing time travelling you know? time travelling it's it, uh, when I first heard a song without understanding those lyrics I was like that's, the lyrics are quite silly aren't they <laughs> But no, it's actually very clever. Very, it's like again, it's like a a, a, a movie, isn't it? It's like mm, a, because because yeah, yeah. uh, um, I've seen uh, an interview with Tony Iommi where he said that they watched a horror movie, and it was like, do people pay money to be scared by a movie? Why wouldn't they yeah, pay that for music? Yeah. So we want to do horror music, <laughs> scary cool. music, and and that song is a bit you know about that. It's like there's a really horrible uh, story. It uh, is scary. I mean, me, is, me and Dash were listening to the oh, album on the way here. It doesn't get any worse than the apocalypse. No, the do the do. Yeah. That horrible descending is lingering voice. on that note. Yeah, <laughs> but that was actually done. Uh, using a ring modulator. So any producers out there, uh, we're not producers, so we don't know. Um, but a ring modulator, it would create a wobbly electronic effect by taking the signal. Remember when we talked about Dark Side of the Moon and the song on the run, where he does works with the knob and it goes... They put the electronic signal through that and it distorts it and makes it electronic and that's how they got that crazy little yeah, voice. Thing. Yeah. Again, experimenting in the studio. Yeah, like, innovating uh, stuff as not well. All, so they... The, the whole album would be uh, uh, like classic enough just by the you know, the, the composition, really. Even yeah. if they were not trying something with effects or whatever, just by writing those songs, they were innovating, they were changing uh, uh, um, rock music yeah. through that, but they were also trying different sounds. And, and so that's why Plant Caravan sounds like it sounds. That's why, you know, I remember that vocal at the beginning that the voice at the beginning is quite scary yeah, it was like right. first time I heard it I was like what the hell is that you know? uh, the next song is Electric Funeral and again these are all great songs so Electric the, Funeral again it's about death isn't yeah it? it's well, about yeah. nuclear warfare unfortunately yeah. um, what the one thing I want to point your attention to in Electric Funeral is the middle section where it goes a bit up tempo and I noticed some jazz elements in there. You've got Geezer Butler almost doing a bit of walking bass line. So it's like... The bass behind that, Geezer Butler, it's almost like a walking bass jazz... Um, I don't know what to put those words in. A walking jazz bass. Um, a walking jazz bass line. Uh, and I just thought that was interesting because we heard and I read about Tony Iommi's jazz influence in Planet Caravan. And for the first time this morning, I heard... Oh, that's like a walking oh, jazz bass line. Let me phrase it better. A jazz walking bass line. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what yeah. it is. Um, so yeah, that's it. That's all I had for that song. Now, next is probably my favourite song of the album, Hand of Doom. Oh, do you know what? It's my favourite as well. Is it really? Oh, wicked. If I can pick one. I don't know. I like all of them. Well, it's yeah. Tough. Hand of Doom for me, that's... <laughs> the music completely and utterly reflects the title. It is doomy. It is dark. I, I love the contrast, the dynamics. Yeah. Whenever the song comes on, even today, I said to Dash, I wish they'd mix it so that the bass was louder at the start. But turn my car volume up and I'm hearing the bass. And then suddenly, when it kicks in, it I kicks think, in. Yeah, and I, I thought, hold on, they did that on purpose. I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not 
quite sure, but I think the remastered version you can hear the bass okay. uh, clear more clearly. You can know you can hear it, it's just quiet. Yeah, it's but the reason quiet, is, is because when the being chorus comes in, quietly. Yeah, well. you're right. You're you right, you can yeah. hear as long as not only the, the mixing is is gives us a butler's right hand. Yeah, so being like quiet mm. when you need to be quiet again. They're really good with dynamics. Yeah, they're really right. good at that. And the um the thing the content about that song was dealing with Vietnam War uh, because. Giza Butler said he didn't realise that when he was researching the Vietnam War, how many uh, soldiers got hooked on heroin during the war. Uh, was it heroin? I think it was. Yeah, heroin. Um, they saw the effect of heroin on the Vietnam War vets from his research during the war and afterwards, when the war veterans came home and were, you know, they we don't need to get political, but the, the people were disgusted at the war veterans because yeah. they were just sent out there to do a job, but to the people, they went out and slayed many Vietnamese yeah. people and the public were not happy. Um, so these returning war veterans were basically, uh, they disgusted their public. And so a lot of them became homeless, depressed, turned to drugs, suicide. Which is like, see, all sides of, of warfare, it's just, it's... Well, if you want to know, if you know what it, people it, like us think about the people who send... Um, who the people who send these guys out to war? Then just go listen to the first track of this album. Yeah, it? exactly. <laughs> so, war pigs, yeah. exactly. So that's it. and and we still have wars going on. You know, we, you know, it's it, it's 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 part of history of humankind. But not many people are brave enough to approach those subjects in a song. And this is so what war pigs, yeah. hand of doom, all about that. Well, this whole album, this whole album, approached and breached lyrical topics that people were not ever touching. There's uh, three things, I guess, that actually describe. The, the, the album for me is destruction, death, drug abuse. Mm. No, that's good, 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 <laughs> but yeah. it's, it is. I mean, the first three, two are more right? predominant than the other than the drugs. Yes, the drugs but paranoid. Paranoid is a guy who is completely addicted, isn't it? Is it? He lost his mean? mind. Oh, wow. Yeah, oh, basically, is uh, you know, is uh, I think he gets to a point that no one understands him, not even his girlfriend. It's like, and oh, it's geez. like, yeah, it's like I'm. He's disconnected from the world because he's completely high all the time and is pretty much destroying his life that's how I, I understand the lyrics really yeah excellent yeah. Um, following how, oh the other thing I had to do is that I mentioned it earlier but the syncopated bass line I think it's just so unique because you know we like musically you talk about syncopation when you talk about jazz funk um, blues to an extent but to use it as the verse as the, as the backbone of a verse also Sabbath swings they swing if you are into yeah. music, if you if you're more you want to go more technical about it, it's when you don't play straight, when you don't play we don't subdivide the beats in like two, four parts. Yeah. It's like when you're playing th- three parts and when you play something in between that, you can swing the triplets when you play three notes per beat, you can pick the first and the third and play a shuffle, which they do quite a lot, but you can just swing it a bit more mm. so you can't actually sometimes you can't measure what they're doing in between one beat and another yeah. it swings like a jazz band yeah. they swing like a jazz band and Bill Ward is uh, really was uh, he a jazz drummer? he, he was a jazz, jazz do you know what I define his drumming as really loud jazz oh, it's just yeah. loud jazz every every single phrase he plays the solos the fills it's not like what a rock drummer would do. Yeah, you know? that's interesting. Um, we, we touched on Rat Salad and the drum solo on that and the instrumental. Yeah. Uh, fairies Wear Boots. Do you have anything to say about that one? I love the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So again, that's drug abuse. The guy is going to the doctor and it's like, 
He's talking about Ferris wearing boots. No, well, it's actually, <laughs> it's yeah, really. it's, 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 you're, you're, you are right. They started writing the song because they were approached by a gang of skinheads. Oh, right. Who called Geezer Butler for having long hair, a fairy. Oh, right. And Geezer turned and said, no, you're fairies. And because they're skinheads and skinheads and uh, uh, characteristically wear boots. Yeah. Fairies with boots. But, but lyrics, lyrics. check this out. This is a quote I read or from this article. Black Sabbath's lyrics often went off on random tangents. This is proven in the second half of Fairies Wear Boots, where he changed the content from being about skinheads to LSD abuse. Yeah, because... <laughs> but but he's talking to the doctor, yeah. the Fairies Wear Boots, and you've got to believe me. And <laughs> what does so the... What, have you got the lyrics there? The, the, there's, there's, there's the, the, yeah, please do, because there's one part that I, I totally love about it. Uh, but it's just, basically, it is, you know, he's... He's high as a kite, isn't it? That is it's what it is again. Uh, I love, I love, I'm yeah. going to go straight to this point. Yeah. So so I went to the doctor, see what he could give me. He said, son, you've gone too far because smoking and tripping is all that you do. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that, that's, a, uh, that's a lyric about drug abuse if I ever heard one. It is. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's a really good song as well. Um, the one thing, the final thing musically I wanted to touch on on the album, and ironically... Ironically, I only discovered it and thought about it on the journey to you today. The most, for me, the most interesting, innovative and unique part about the whole album are the variety of drum fills Bill Ward spreads across every song. For me, the like drum fills... <laughs> that's, that's the interesting point. For me, bro... The the drumming makes this album. I'm trying to think how War Pigs would sound if there were no fear or or, or um, dumbed down fills. Well, if you listen to like John Bonham's drumming and Ian Pace's drumming, that all the classic work guys, even Nick Mason, it's more about the groove than the fills. Mm. Whilst Keith Moon, Mitch Mitchell, um, Ginger Baker and Bill Ward, they were more about the fills. Yeah. But that's a really dangerous territory. If you're playing as many fills as you play grooves, you might you might make the song lose its, you know, foundation. Yeah. Can I respond just, and yeah. say that actually from what you just said, as a drummer, I feel that and tell me if you disagree or agree with me, Bill Ward has found the perfect marriage between grooving. I'm thinking of the grooving war pigs. Politicians, it's but then coupled with the fills, yeah, he's found that perfect harmony the between filling and drumming and grooving. Yeah, but the fills are like, as I said, they're almost sloppy. They're like all Some over of the them, place. I mean, in a good one, way, yeah, yeah, in a good way. It's like which, which means like the phrasing is very creative. Loads of dynamics. It's, his technical abilities, like, are really like at a really high level at yeah. that point. Uh, uh, it's and, stunning job yeah yeah and it's a big part of it but again if you compare to modern heavy rock is way more loose and free than in modern heavy rock because there's loads of fills more than grooves it's yeah interesting, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, well just to finish off really I'll just give you some quotes um, oh, this is do you know this is something I forgot to talk about earlier about the impact, we went off on our what is heavy metal yeah. discussion. The impact of a person's background having on their lyrics. This is what I'll read, I'll read what I've written yeah. on the lyrics. Tony Iommi said, It was all the flowers in your hair, and we wanted to sing and play about the other side of life. 
Geezer Butler said, No one said anything about it. Dylan had long since faded away and nobody was talking about the things I wanted to talk about. Political stuff. Ozzy Osbourne said, We were hearing, if you go to San Fran, wear flowers in your hair. What's all this flowers shit? I've got no shoes on my feet. So, you I've hear... seen an interview with Ozzy when he says, the only time I saw flowers were at my mate's funeral. Yeah, interesting. And that's it. So, he, 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 he could not relate to the hippie flower power yeah. vibe and it's totally understandable and it's you can hear and they're so talking about more important stuff Robert Plant yeah well, so it might be to them, because, to them. because yeah because entertaining yourself is also important mm -hmm. and Robert Plant when he was asked about what's the message behind Led Zeppelin's music he was like it's about fun yeah just have fun because he was a hippie he was into the you know that all that vibe that's like peace and love he could feel that Uh, Ozzy couldn't mm. so he was singing yeah. about but he had someone writing the lyrics for him which is even more brilliant yeah. you got someone who understands you and it comes from the same background and it's better with words and they're going to write those words for you I have a quote as well so from it, yeah. Ozzy's biography and this is really interesting and what for me what sums up the album is the quality of their songwriting, because they had already defined their genre on okay. the first album. They had already uh, 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 destroyed all the rules and started something new. Mm. So what improved from the first album to Paranoid is the quality of the songwriting process. So yeah. the fact that Bill Ward would come with the perfect groove and you have the complex structures and the riffs by Tony Iommi and Ozzy's unique vocals with the perfect lyrics to, mm. to, to sing about. Yeah. And and those lyrics were written by Giza. Giza said, Ozzy said, sorry about Giza. Giza came Ozzy up... Ozzy said about Giza. About Giza. Giza came up with these heavy-duty lyrics about death and destruction. No wonder we never got any chicks at, at our gigs. <laughs> so the girls wouldn't come to the gigs. Giza just wasn't interested in your average I love you pop song. Wow. That's it. It's like, I can't write yeah. about those things. I'm going to write about the politics, yeah. drugs. Incredible. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we'll finish here. Um, we'll leave you with a few of the accolades and the and what this what critics believe this album has done. Uh, all Music said that it is one of the greatest and most influential heavy metal albums of all time, which defined the sound and style of heavy metal more than any other record in rock history. Rolling Stone said, Sabbath ruled for bummed out kids in the 70s. Nearly every heavy metal and extreme rock band of the last 30 years owes a debt of worship to the crushing riffs, Visigoth rhythms and agonised bray. A bray, by the way, is, a, is the noise a donkey makes. <laughs> so I think that was a positive, despite That's comparing Ozzy to a donkey. But um, Then accolades uh, on the Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. Places number 139. It is number six on Guitar World's Greatest 100 Albums. Uh, and it's sold five million copies. Um, you gave us your thoughts about the album with the songwriting quality. For me, this is what how I'd like to sum up the album. Um, the lyrics, they're probably some of the most real lyrics that we've done on this show. Yeah. And the music had had up to that point. Um, the real aspects of life have been brought into question. Things that haven't been sung about since the likes of Bob Dylan. Also, they very direct, very direct, explicit. Yeah. It's not like it's not like uh, um, oh, no metaphors. Talk, yeah, yeah, let's use a metaphor to talk about. There's no sun. You're taking ha too many. Hand, yeah, hand of doom. <laughs> First, there was the bomb. Vietnam, the palm. 
There you boom. go. Um, the, the lyrics are a huge part of the development and rise of heavy metal, as we discussed earlier, in my opinion. Yeah. And the depressing, sad, dark lyrics have impacted this just as much musically. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Brilliant album. I never got tired of it. No, and you never never, never do, do you? No. Each song offers something different, I think, which yeah. is fantastic. But, yeah. Anyway, guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Long Live Rock and Roll podcast. We're going with our shorter version of the outro as suggested by Mr. Felipe here. You say it. Find us on the internet. That's it. That's no, it. nothing else, right? Because if you're listening to this in 2045, maybe we don't have a Spotify or YouTube, we have something else. Exactly. We still, I, I imagine, we still have something called the internet. So go on the internet. Yeah, and find us. And find yeah, us, because we're there everywhere. Any small corner of the internet. That's it. We're going to be there. Uh, so yeah, thanks for being with us again. It means a lot to us. So and uh, keep on rocking everyone. And as usual, long live rock and roll.